Welcome to Modern Career. I'm your host, Mary Humiston. You may be thinking about changing, advancing, or even reinventing your career. We want to help you do that and live your full potential. In each episode, I cover work and career topics, leveraging my 30 plus years of global HR leadership and through interviews with other career experts and professionals from around the world. Subscribe today and visit modern-career.com for blog posts, career stories, career coaching and workshops, and more. Let's jump into our next episode. Welcome to Insider Insights from a Talent Expert. We talk to talent experts from all different industries and all different talent leadership roles to tap into what does it really take to get noticed, to get hired, and to be most successful. Our guest today is John Goldberg. John created and leads the executive talent acquisition function for the Coca-Cola company globally. He has extensive global experience in identifying and selecting leaders and executives in support of the Coca-Cola businesses that operate in 207 countries. Prior to joining Coca-Cola, John held senior recruitment leadership roles with Microsoft and the Home Depot and was previously the owner and managing partner of a technology-focused retained search firm. He's been a member of several boards and is a frequent speaker at industry forums. His work has been profiled in both the business media and thought leadership organizations. John holds a BA in English literature from Lafayette College and currently resides in Atlanta, Georgia. Mary, thank you so much for having me. It's a great privilege to join you today. I'm looking forward to our conversation. Same here. And I'd love to start with your background a little bit. You have what I'd consider a pretty long tenure at Coca-Cola, which I think is rarer today. So how long have you been in the company? And tell us about that a little bit. How did that come to be? Yeah, sure. I've been with the company for 17 years, which I never ever would have imagined would have been the case, but it has been and continues to be just an amazing experience. I came into it, frankly, with almost more of a mercenary view of things that I wanted to add to my portfolio of experiences. And obviously, things have played out differently. I've stayed for a long time. And the question then is, why is that? And really, what the company has allowed me to do is really be something of an entrepreneur, if you will. One, had an opportunity to create the function, but two, progressively had an opportunity to continue to really evolve significantly. So it's allowed me to continuously have a very fresh experience on an ongoing basis and allowed me to continue to expand and grow, obviously, for the benefit of the company. A common misconception that people can have on folks who are long tenures, they might have the view that somebody has done maybe the same thing or in the same environment for a long time, but, but most companies evolve quite a bit and the environment is very different and you are constantly adapting along the way. And that's certainly been the case for me. I've been able to adapt. The company has changed drastically in my time in the company. It continues to be a great environment where you can experiment and evolve and really push the needle. So you came in to create something, and I'm thinking that's the executive recruiting function. It didn't exist before then, or not as it does today? No, it didn't exist at all. And frankly, when I was being recruited, it wasn't necessarily for that job. It became that job through the recruiting process, and I largely was able to sell in the idea that it was something that was necessary. So kind of a unique set of circumstances. 
And then you said you've been able to expand and grow and adapt. Those are clearly <laughs> key things and they're really important. And you said on your side, but also the company was able to help you grow and expand and adapt. Yeah, a lot of it is a company orientation, also just having the good fortune of working for some great leaders that didn't have much of a risk aversion and who are open to the idea of trying something that was brand new. In some ways, it wasn't just that we were setting up, but the way that we were going to set it up were ways that it hadn't been done anywhere to our knowledge previously. And that can create some discomfort. But again, fortunately, I had some highly risk-tolerant leaders who were open to experimenting and trying to do something that was new. And luckily, we were able to succeed in what we were trying to accomplish, which in that case was to build a fully global boutique search firm within the company, which our knowledge hadn't been done previously. It's so critical today that we continue to grow, gain new experiences, keep up with the necessary skills, certainly as the world continues to change. Thoughts about how to do that? You've certainly done that. How can we best continue to grow, whether we're within one company or we do move around a bit? What are your thoughts on that? First off, the personal evolution and growth is very much a choice. It's incumbent upon the individual to stay really curious about the space that you operate in, understand kind of what the direction of travel is. And with that, I'd say it's important to be really intentional about the network that you build, the information that you're intaking to understand how things are evolving in your space. And I'd say that I like to have a mix of advisors, if you will, or contacts that are in different stages in life and career. Some I'd consider Hall of Famers, if you will, people that have been there, done it, the best in the game, if you will, and maybe are towards the end of the game and you get a lot of wisdom from them. You get others who are kind of current all-stars, probably peers of yours that I just think are terrific that you really want to benchmark with, almost compete with in some respects. And that's also great to have an array of rising stars that are maybe looking at things differently and challenge you in a different way. So I do look at thinking about building that network very thoughtfully, also looking at from different segments of where you operate. So in my case, it might be corporate side and then the other side might be, say, in search firm side. Then there's a final grouping, too, that is broad, and sometimes you don't even know what the use is of them, but it is just your broader network. It is other information you're getting. As an example, one of the most important insights I got about how we evolved executive recruiting for Coca-Cola was somebody that wasn't in recruiting at all. It was our company's head of M&A. I realized the, the adjacency as to what their work was to ours, and that gave me an incredible inspiration on how we were going to set things up from the outset when I wasn't able to identify any similar operation from a different company that was doing what we were looking to do. I totally agree with your growth is a personal choice. And it's really important to have that as a mindset and to stay really curious. Is that something you assess and look for as you're looking at leadership executive hires? Yeah, absolutely. I'd say it seems obvious, but how do you assess it? I'd say there are a couple of things that you string together. You look at growth, you look at curiosity. Another one that's really important also is risk. I'd say that combination is a really important trifecta. The risk piece is incredibly important. Risk also gets into a place of failure. The reality is if you aren't taking a certain degree of risk, you can take very little risk and have very little failure. You're also likely to have fairly modest gains when that's the case. 
So I'd say that what we index on is really is people who are comfortable taking bigger risks. And with that, of course, there are going to be failures. Hopefully, there are going to be more successes than failures on balance. But that's a really important part of the equation. If you aren't willing to take a big enough risk, there's a big piece of not winning also. To really win, you need to take bigger risks. So, John, you're looking at the hiring of a certain level and above across 207 countries. <laughs> are those same three, growth mindset, curiosity, risk tolerance, are they part of the core or does that really vary because of cultural or geographical differences? Obviously, those differences are meaningful for certain, but that really is core. And the expectation, you wouldn't want to have somebody who's a more modest risk profile because of one geography or another. It just may look different in how they demonstrated it. Yeah. And you also wouldn't want somebody who's going to bet the farm every day. It isn't risk everything or gain nothing every single day, but it is being thoughtful about where and how you're going to take those big swings. Often people go into a recruiting, a hiring process, and forget that it's a definite two-way street. You're assessing the company at the same time as you're being assessed. Any tips for how one evaluates whether a company is a good fit, not just for their skills, but their aspirations or culturally? Is this a place where you can really succeed and achieve what you'd like to achieve so that it's a win-win? How might someone better do that? An awful lot of it has to do with the environment that you're going into and how suitable that is for you and how you like to get things done. For example, in recruiting, there's some places you can go where it is very much the star. There are figures in the recruiting world who are legendary figures. But if you're somebody that is much more collaborative, much more team-oriented, where it is about what the unit's doing versus what the individual is doing, that's probably not the right place for you. A different scenario, too, is where you are at a particular point in your career. Sometimes in your career where you need to go into a situation or an organization, and really it is about learning, maybe even almost replicating what you're getting from the given organization. There are other times in your career where you've taken those learnings and now you want to bring a portfolio of experiences and expertise together and be in a place where you can really create but you need to have that foundation in order to do that in a really informed way. Certainly in my career, I've gone back and forth in some of those experiences where I was kind of very much on the entrepreneur. I was in a string of creation mode, but then there were other times when I realized I got into a place where I needed to bolster the expertise and substance behind it and learn from experts, people that knew a lot more than I did about a given space. And so There are just different times where you need different things, where you need different experiences to build upon to get to where you're looking to get to in your career. I'm sort of toggling back to the 17 years that you have and the long tenure so far. Do you find that the early career pipeline today, the generation that's maybe in their first 10 years, are you seeing that they're persevering through some of the challenges you find early career, or do you find they're jumping more? I think you get both. I do feel like a lot of the emerging talent that I see today, it does seem like the curiosity and the learning aptitude, if it's higher than it might have been before, but I am just very impressed with that overall. 
maybe they're jumping more, maybe they're not. But I do think it is the same thing. It's a matter of for anybody, whether it's somebody who's a new grad or somebody who's 20 years into their career, if you aren't learning, if you aren't growing, you've reached any kind of point where you plateaued, it is the right thing to move. I think it certainly behooves one to work hard and fight hard to find those opportunities. There is something about perseverance, but there is a balance there. Wherever you are in your career, if you are looking to get certain experiences, skills, developmental opportunities, growth opportunities, and you feel that you have exhausted your efforts, then sure, it absolutely is the right time to look at other opportunities. But it is important at the same time to get that perseverance, too. That is certainly another characteristic that we would look at leaders or anybody at any level as well. You'd want to see how somebody works through adversity in general, and that's a form of adversity that they'd want to see people learn to work through and would counsel people to learn to work through as well. But on equal measure, I said, if they have gotten to the end of the line there, I would counsel them. If you have exhausted that, then it certainly does make sense to go somewhere else to get that. Well, I completely agree with you because you got to put everything into creating what you want where you are. And if it's not going to happen there, then creating it where it makes sense. John, if we look ahead, and of course, nobody has a crystal ball on the future of anything, but certainly not the future of work. There are lots of views on what's coming and how it will look. We just know it's going to be different. But I'd love to know what you're thinking about. What are some aspects or changes that you see ahead, one or two that you might call out? The look ahead is actually maybe a little bit of almost look behind. If you look ahead, the first context of it is think of the war for talent. Historically, the war for talent has always been won by the talent. And I would see that being no different in this case. Look at the experience that we've all had in the past approximately two years, working from home and all that. And many people will clearly want to have some or all of the attributes that they've experienced in the last two years on a more permanent basis. There will also be people that will want to go back exactly where it was. There are also people that will want to have a nuanced version of it. And I think that as we look at the future of work, we'll need to be able to accommodate all of those populations as well. I think there's a lot of discussion on what it's going to be like, if it's going to be one or the other. And I don't think that that's what it ends up being. I think it ends up being different people have different needs. Companies are going to need to be able to satisfy those different needs. The individuals or the company will lose the talent wars for sure. Are you also seeing changing values? Why we work, rethinking the meaning of work, what we get out of work, how long we want to work, those kinds of things? Absolutely. More more broadly than the past. This past year had not just the highest number of retirements on record, and this is not for the company, this is at a macro level, but twice as many as the highest previously. And so that speaks to it. My team experiences it from the work that we do and all the peers I talk to as well. People are definitely reevaluating anything from the type of company they want to work and what that means to them, to the type of experience that is essential to them. All of those things are factoring in and all of that will impact the future of work as well, which, by the way, I think on a macro level is terrific. I think that in the end, when all is said and done, I do think that broadly speaking, the, the work experience for most will be better than it was before. I do believe that people will be able to balance what means most to them better than they have maybe ever before. I totally agree. And I love that. Isn't that an amazing thing? It's incredible crappy way to get there, but a great outcome. 
So for someone to really reach their aspirations, whatever they are for them, clearly they have to really know themselves and maybe have a bit of a career strategy. What are your thoughts on that? And did you ever have a strategy along the way or did it more evolve? Both. I definitely had a strategy along the way. I will also say that that strategy, for the most part, was never really fulfilled in the way that I had imagined it. Knowing yourself is also about continuously learning about yourself. You have a plan, you have an aspiration, you have a goal, you're working towards getting to that goal. But along the way, you may realize that there are some elements that you aren't good at. This can go both ways, but you've got the operating chops, you find out you don't really have quite the strategic chops. And so each of those experiences really kind of channels you one way or the other. Or, of course, you can create a few, you move from one to the other, and you're able to grow, and then you start to build on that. i say that you are continuously, through the experiences you have, learning what you like to do, what you're good at, the continuous process that you're on. Along the way, your goals tend to evolve. There's also a balance of how stubborn you are, perseverance, what you need to do to achieve those goals. So that's really the balance as well, is you're learning from the failure that this isn't something that I'm good at or that I want to do, or is a learning from the failure that I'm going to come back at this again and do this a little bit differently, and I'm going to get it this time. And so that's really the push and pull that one works through, let's say, continuously in their career. I so resonate with that myself. You have to have somewhat of a direction and a plan and the perseverance to keep moving towards it but know that what shows up and how it unfolds may look very different than what you originally thought. And you're going to, just as you did, create a lot of it along the way. As an example, I had a goal of wanting to be head of a recruiting function. And being head of a recruiting function is very much about leading a battalion. You've got tons of moving pieces. It really is about moving the army. And what I've personally learned through experiences along the way is that I don't want to move the army. I want to move a small elite SEAL team. I want to engage in a more intimate way with the team. I want to go after a really big goal where it's a small team where we're going to move a couple of big rocks. And so it's just a matter of what fulfills you and how, as a leader, what scenarios are you most effective in? I believe I am more effective as a player coach. I want to be in the game 100% with the team versus directing from above. And that's a learning through experience. I was a learning through having larger organizational leadership roles where I'd like to think I had a level of success, but I just wasn't enjoying it as much. And so some of that is just having an opportunity to go through an experience and have some self-reflection on the path. You have this goal in mind, and then you realize, God, I've got to get not just better at something that I'm doing right now, but do I actually enjoy it? Am I heading on a path towards maybe I can grind it out and continue to move forward, but am I trying to move forward in something that I am not very good at? I'd rather be the Michael Jordan of basketball than the Michael Jordan of baseball when it gets down to it. Kudos to him for having the courage to try baseball, but he's a lot better as a basketball player. So you have those types of learnings as you're going along the way. It's so true. It's skill and passion and the learning over time. And not just one experience can be, maybe it was about that company or that industry or that, but over time, really discovering who you are and where you want to go. So you've hired, I don't even know if you know the exact number. So many executives, many leaders, different functions, different geographies, all kinds of context over time. How does someone 
stand out? How does someone maybe differentiate themselves as they seek a leadership role or they try to advance within their own company? What comes to mind? First and foremost is looking for somebody that has done their job, the job before it, done it really well. People that have built high-performing, inspired teams. From there, though, where does it really separate, right? And that's where you're looking at people that have significantly raised the bar, evolved what they were doing. People that have written the future versus following the incremental path. That's the magic that you're really looking for. Somebody that can write their own playbook, not just somebody who is really good at executing the plays, which there are many. It's not easy to do in every role, in every circumstance, but you're absolutely right. Those who do, they're the people we want to work with, work for, they're the people we want to hire. And the truth of the matter is you also have to realize in an organization, you can't actually have everybody writing the playbook. If you've got 100% of the people that are writing their own playbook, you're going to be paralyzed to move the organization forward. You need to have that population of 10 or 15% of your leadership is able to evolve and to drive the evolution of the company. You do need to have probably that next 70% that are great at executing the play. You have to have that actually in most of your population. But if you don't have that 15% right, that can drive you to a different place, you'll be stuck. Something that comes up a lot, and all levels would love to know more about this area, but certainly those that are coming up through first level management into leadership, they often ask, how do they get to know and work with search firms or internal recruiters, external recruiters? Your world, whether you're inside or outside, has such an ability to influence somebody's career trajectory, but how do they get to know and work with them effectively? Number one, above all else, on doing your job and doing it really well. Number two, people that get noticed are the people that are doing things that are new, they're different, they're interesting, and that takes notice of thought leadership organizations. That's how people end up getting opportunities to speak. That's how people get opportunities to go on a modern career, right? have to do something that stands out, I suppose, right? But really, that is, in just aside, that is absolutely the truth. What the recruiters look at when they're looking for talent, they're going through the speaker list. You're going through every different avenue that you can find how people are differentiated. It's great to have a network within the firms and so forth, but you also have to realize there are hundreds and hundreds of people that are doing search in that space. It certainly does merit networking within that community. I would think of a little bit differently and just be focusing on the work that you're doing and making sure that it's differentiated. That also draws the attention of the thought leaders in the space as well. And those thought leaders end up oftentimes being the super connectors with recruiters as well. So I would think really more about differentiating based on your performance and based on your content to gain notice rather than your professional network within that space. People in search, they're really good. The people who are doing great things, they're not hidden. They're going to get found when they're doing special things. So John, over the years, you've interviewed, you've met with so many strong candidates and all kinds of candidates in the process. Anything stand out when you're interviewing? What does good or great interviewing look like? And any pitfalls, would you say, really, you've seen a few things that you'd say, please never do this? A great candidate interviewer is somebody who's terrific at storytelling. That's an attribute that almost any has. 
Number two, I'd say, is playing offense and knowing what message, knowing what points you want to convey versus sitting back and waiting for the right question they're going to pull them out is really essential. So know what it is you want to communicate to the audience, know what key points, what accomplishments you want to make sure and however long you have with whatever person or people you're meeting with, you want to make sure that those points can get across. Another piece I put in there is there is a balance here on communicating your accomplishments, but also having enough humility to acknowledge the places where things have not worked out. There is always a balance. And if you're not willing to speak to all elements of it, generally it lacks credibility as well. So I'd say being able to be somewhat vulnerable, somewhat humble, and acknowledging really all ends of it. And that's also part of the story. Any story has those different elements where there were times of hardship and how did you get through those times? Those are essential pieces of the journey that you want to hear from a candidate. Have you seen a change over the years on that? Are candidates more willing and able to be open and vulnerable and because the leadership style is changing or is that still kind of tricky? The empathy and the vulnerability are things that people generally understand are important and understand that better now than they had in years past. But you also realize how many people have not evolved. This is a a pretty amazing time because I do believe that those that have not evolved are in a really, really tricky spot right now professionally. And a lot of people are struggling to evolve. They just don't have it in them. It's transparent who those people are. There's a leadership style and the way the world operates today is very different than it was even just a couple of years ago. Any and every team that a leader has, has gone through, is going through some degree of challenge this past two years. And if you don't have empathy built in today, you will not hold on to that team. We wouldn't bring in a leader that didn't have those attributes today because the way of leadership is evolving. And if you don't have those attributes, so you're not going to be successful today, you're not going to be successful tomorrow. You ask about the future of work as a leader, you're going to need to be able to adjust your style. Maybe a third of your team or organization, maybe they're remote. A third of your team is going to be in the office with you frequently. You're going to have a mix of different people in different circumstances. And you're going to need to be able to adjust your style. You need to be able to have empathy for people who are in different situations, empathy for the work that they're doing. So the role of the manager, I think, is becoming very different today. What are your thoughts about a company's role in supporting the career and or the employability of their employees? I think it's essential on both. And I think a company that doesn't support both in somewhat an equal measure is at a competitive disadvantage. You have to be able to grow, develop, and evolve your talent. You also have to realize that that's going to be maybe half the time it's going to be for you and for the benefit of the company, and that that's a person that's going to 10 years later be three jobs ahead of what you hire them into. And the other person that you hire, there'll also be three jobs ahead of what you hired them into, but it's going to be for a different company. And that's also good. Of course, you're proudest of the successes that you have that are making a difference in your company. But it's also really healthy to have pride in almost equal measure for your alumni that are having amazing success in other places. Anybody that's, in my case, hiring somebody in from the outside, the question anybody would want to answer is, one, what's the opportunity to grow within the company? 
And two, if that doesn't happen, what additional value is created into me? When I come to work for Coca-Cola, will this make me more valuable by virtue of the experiences I'm going to get in the company? Again, hopefully to grow within the company, but if not, will it make me valuable in the market to grow just period in my career? The right answer to that, the answer I think you have to have is yes to both. Yes, you have the opportunity to grow in the company. And if you hit the ceiling for one reason or another in the company, are you more valuable? Are you better positioned in your career than you were before you joined the company? And is the answer yes? If you've got a yes answer to both of those, you've got a great equation. A no answer to either of them, much as both of them. And I think that you're at a competitive disadvantage as an employer. You mentioned earlier, when you look at leaders, assess leaders, did they lead a high-performance team? I would add to that, too, that did they also support the mobility of their talent and the advancement of talent, not hoard them for their own team, which we've all experienced? I've got a great team, hope everyone stays right around me, versus the movement and advancement of talent more broadly as a key role of a leader. Yeah, absolutely. You look at the best leaders and they've got phenomenal talent trees. Their talent tree, A, it'll extend across the company and frequently will also go outside of the company. And it's the same thing where they've gone, what they're doing, how they progressed in their career. And the very best leaders have very deep roots, wide branches on those talent trees. So, John, what's a piece of career advice that you might share with us? Something that may have stayed with you throughout your own career is just something that you think is really important to take stock of? I do think it's around risk and just the recognition realization that one looks at risk oftentimes and sees as a negative. And the reality is it's a far bigger risk to not take risks. If you aren't taking big swings, the odds of really being stuck in neutral are very high. And actually very dangerous for that matter as well. It's really important and essential for one to really continuously embrace smart risk to make sure that you are pushing forward. If you aren't sometimes stubbing your toe, making a mistake, having a miss now and again, you probably aren't pushing yourself far enough. And that's really dangerous. That's how people get flat. That's how the world passes people by. You really need to be continuously pushing yourself forward and challenging yourself. As an example, people look sometimes at when does somebody know that they've plateaued? The reality, that's a really complicated space because you can get to a place where you think, okay, I've reached the top of my game and so I have plateaued. The danger in that is thinking that you have arrived and you are now at that plateau. The reality is in order to stay at that plateau, you still have to push forward and evolve. You will not be at that plateau either. That plateau is not a safe spot that you can now stay at because you've gotten to this point. That's a really, really common lack of taking risks that you see in individuals where they think they've gotten to a place. They are now secure in that place. They've arrived in that place. And nobody is secure in any place if they aren't continuing to grow and evolve and to push and to be moving forward with the way the times are going. Thank you so much. You clearly have demonstrated for us this growth mindset. You've been an entrepreneur within a big company for a long time, which is not easy to do. You've clearly taken a lot of smart risks yourself. Thank you so much for sharing from your personal journey so openly, but also all the insider insights from behind the scenes in hiring so many leaders and so many executives over the years. Thank you so much. Really enjoyed the opportunity. Thanks so much for having me today. For more resources on this topic, visit us 
on modern-career.com and on social media at modern underscore career. We'll include all the sources noted in this episode in our show notes. Look forward to talking again very soon. Thank you.